then you get to a time where there's a lot of hormonal changes, like in midlife. Mm. Uh, this can significantly impact how your sensory system responds to these external stimuli. And this can be um, often a sign of various things. It can be a sign of dysregulation. It can be a sign of hormonal problems, you know, like in menopause, et cetera, or perimenopause, where we have all those hormones going down, et cetera, et cetera. But the two things can be connected. So things can actually, uh, you know, be a cause and a consequence. So it is a quite complex system, but we know that sensory overload can be a symptom of dysregulation as well as a symptom of, again, hormonal and perimenopausal or menopausal conditions. Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the show. I have a fascinating conversation lined up for you today. We're going to be talking and learning about nervous system dysregulation, how to take control of stress and anxiety to prevent burnout and live a more fulfilling life. Joining us today is Dr. Linnea Passeler, who has dedicated over 20 years to serving patients, first as a successful surgeon and then to thousands of people worldwide as the CEO of a digital health startup. After overcoming her own struggles with a dysregulated nervous system, she created Heal Your Nervous System to empower others in their healing journey. Her combination of neuroscience and somatic work helps those struggling with overwhelm, trauma, burnout, and anxiety to heal their dysregulated nervous systems and thrive. She's the author of the book, Heal Your Nervous System, which we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Dr. Linnea. Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Well, I'm honored you're on. I think this is such an important book. I think it's so timely and it's so beautifully written. So I just want to say congrats on all of that. I know it's going to resonate with so many people. And what's so interesting for me was that I had just been reading some article on uh, our nervous systems and dysregulation. And I was reflecting on having worn a back brace for six years. And I thought, oh, this is starting to make sense. And then your publicist reached out <laughs> with your book. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at that synchronicity. So we're all so fortunate to be learning from you today. Since it's going to be the foundation of our conversation, let's just start with a definition of what is nervous system dysregulation. I think that's a good place to start. 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the introduction, Michelle, and for the compliments. I I really hope this um, you know, this book and, and what we are doing can resonate with, with people. So I think it's important to understand the, the simplest way to understand this regulation is by essentially comparing what regulation is and yes. what this regulation is. And so okay. when um, the nervous system is exposed to external stressors. You know, we go through our daily stressors, our daily life, uh, you know, the tasks that we do every day. This creates stress. Yes. Uh, but the nervous system is well equipped to uh, essentially manage that stress. And so it's like a fern. I, I use this analogy of the fern. So the fern bends under stressors, but it's flexible. So it recovers quickly after this stressor has been removed. And that is the, you know, the, the landmark, the, the, the most uh, clear indication that the nervous system is well regulated. So it's okay to become, you know, um, overwhelmed at times, to become stressed, to have big responses and even to become, you know, angry, anxious, et cetera, et cetera. But what makes the difference is whether that nervous system can recover after that situation has passed. Now, when the nervous system is dysregulated, it has lost this natural flexibility. And so it's stuck. And if mm. the nervous system is dysregulated, it ends up spending too much time in this chronically activated state and mm. not enough time in a rest and recovery state. And that's what creates all those physical and emotional symptoms because our body and our nervous system need to spend enough time in a rest and recovery state. Mm. And when we're constantly activated and the nervous system is unable to completely relax, completely let go, that's where the damage starts accumulating. And that's where all of these, um, you know, symptoms that are very diverse uh, and, and very why people can experience, you know, physical symptoms and emotional symptoms. So anything from anxiety, even autoimmune conditions, burnout, chronic fatigue, but even, um, you know, more emotional and, you know, traditionally called mental health, um, you know, symptoms can, can show up, yes. uh, like, you know, depersonalization, derealization, uh, extreme sensitivities, sensory overload. All of these can show up when the nervous system is dysregulated. Okay. This is so helpful. And I'd love to dive, go a, like a layer deeper of that of some of those symptoms. You mentioned some of them. And I know in your book, you had a quiz where you could score yourself. And I did take the quiz. There was emotional, sensory, and physical, three different categories. And for me, it was the sensory that I was the most, uh, where I would, so you had like sort of a lower, medium, and high in terms of where you yeah. were on dysregulation. And I would say I was sort of in the middle group, um, but yeah. mostly because of the sensory things. So for me, sense, like like overwhelming smells, like let's say, I don't know, you walk into a hotel room and it smells moldy, I'll find my body tensing up. <laughs> or we went yeah. to see Cirque du Soleil and I had seen one show and was fine, but this other show, we were sitting near the speakers and the lights were strobing and the, it was so loud. I actually had to go sit in the lobby and I I felt kind of bad because I was there with my husband and my daughter. So I'm just giving some examples from my own experience because just I mean, maybe this will sort of resonate with others as they're listening, but I'd love for you to expand on this. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, sensory overload is one of the things that people report um, more most often. And I would say, especially for women in you know middle life, when they start to be perimenopausal or menopausal, this is one of the areas where we see um, the most typical signs. And that really uh, can depend on your baseline sensitivity. So we each have our own um, baseline sensitivity and it depends, you know, this is partly genetic and part uh, has to do with, you know, external factors, the environment, how you grew up, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless of your baseline sensitivity, which is something that you have had yes. throughout your life, yes, when you get to a, a, you know, a time where there's a lot of hormonal changes, like in midlife, mm. uh, this can significantly impact how your um, sensory system responds to these external stimuli. And this can be um, often a sign of various things. It can be a sign of dysregulation. It can be a sign of hormonal um, problems, you know, like in menopause, et cetera, or perimenopause, where we have all those hormones going down, et cetera, et cetera. But the two things can be connected. So can things can actually, uh, you know, be a cause and, uh, and a consequence. So, it is a it is a quite complex system, but we know that uh, you know sensory overload can be a symptom of dysregulation as well as a symptom of you know um, again hormonal uh, and and perimenopausal or menopausal um, uh, you know conditions. It's so interesting, and you know um, I'm wondering too. Like so, for example, when I wore the back brace, Dr. Linnea. When the brace came off, I was 16 and I was not allergic to any foods, but that summer I was suddenly allergic to apples. Like I had what's called an oral allergy syndrome. So not anaphylactic, but I couldn't eat any stone fruits anymore. And I'm wondering if some of this physical dysregulation triggered the inability to have those foods. Like I'm starting to put the pieces together of that puzzle. Does that make sense? That that Does that track? I mean, it, it does make sense that your body um, can have a strong uh, immunological response. Like we know that the immunological system uh, is one of the systems together with, uh, you know, the digestive symptoms, uh, the digestive system that can really um, sort of pay a big price when we are in a state of uh, chronic stress. And, you know, by being exposed, by being in a situation where your body wasn't able to move with a, within a brace for many years, yes. it's like your body has created, has lived through a sort of chronic stressor that, you know, became overwhelming for the body. And so it has definitely had some, some effects. Now, it's very difficult based on the knowledge that we have of the science um, to understand whether something like an allergic reaction or developing an allergic response um, is actually caused by that. We don't have uh, right. any evidence, any clear evidence that can, we can really say, okay, this is the cause-effect relationship. But we we are starting to learn and think uh, a lot more holistically about these things. So we can't exclude that 
you know, this was uh, one of the factors. Of course, immunological conditions and allergic reactions are often also related to, you know, genetic predispositions, etc. Mm. One of the important things that are emerging and that we have now very clear evidence is this model where we know that there may be some genetic predisposition, but then the conditions in life Yes. And what you go through and the amount of stress and how your body and brain learn to become, you know, learn to face those stressors. Yep. That's what really determines whether some conditions, some pathological conditions, some some diseases really emerge and to what degree. Yeah, it turns on maybe that ge- genetic code that if it didn't have those stressors, maybe it wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. Uh, I'd love to um, have you share your journey with this. So, you know, you, we talked in your bio about how you were a CEO of a health tech startup, you know, a surgeon on one path, so successful. And I'd like to read a part of something I read in your book that really, um, it resonated with me. And I think it's going to with the women and, and you can elaborate on sort of the journey that took you into this direction and your research and your work in writing this book. You wrote, I was so busy trying to save the world. I never stopped to look within. I was bypassing the real issue, ignoring the hard work of understanding myself. I had thought that my feelings of being small were due to the magnitude of the world's pain. But I began to see that the origin of the sense of smallness was not in the world, but within me. It was reflection of my unfulfilled internal needs for acceptance, for worthiness, for self-love. So... I'd love for you to talk to us about what was going on with you, um, both in terms of your dysregulate, you know, what what was happening to your body. I know you wrote about having rosacea and being diagnosed with irritable bowel, but also this sort of deeper awareness of um, the work you needed to do within yourself. Yes, um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, actually, yes, I guess the, the book is the first time where I really go deep down in this in in one of the chapters where I talk about my personal story towards the end, yes. and uh, it wasn't easy to share all of that. I have to say, it was very, it felt very vulnerable, uh, and so. But I think that's that's part of the work, right? Being, yes. um, and and one of the things that I I share in actually in the beginning of the book in the very beginning is this um, story about Milarepa, uh, and and that's what really helped me you know sort of understand what was happening, um, and why I needed to change. And so the story of Milarepa is the story of this Buddhist monk who essentially finds his cave filled by demons. And he, you know, there's a story where he starts trying to get rid of these demons in many different ways, first by trying to chase them away and then by trying to, uh, you know, teach them about spirituality. He, he tries a lot of different things, but these approaches don't work. And that's where he realizes that if these demons are going to stay, then there's probably something he must learn from them. And so he bows to the demons and he accepts completely to open mm. himself to them. And that's where actually the demons disappear. So I think for me, the challenge was really, you know, understanding, stop understanding that I needed to stop, like stopping trying to fix myself or trying to do all these things outside that felt like fulfillment was actually um, a way to sort of 
run away or not to really face what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I've been through a variety of different uh, you know, practices and, and I, I tried a lot of things, but then I think what really worked was looking at myself, look, look at my, at my personal history and really trying to accept that, you know, a lot of the things I, I was doing, they weren't inherently wrong, but they were just the intention was, was not correct. So I think, um, you know, understanding for me, understanding that my uh, strong motivation around work and just putting myself through so much, it was um, it was caused by never feeling enough. Like what, whatever I did, there was always some flaw. And I had to go deep into my personal story, into my life, into my childhood, into the things that, you know, had caused me to believe that I wasn't enough. And so once I was able to you know, take care of those things, um, everything else started to fall into its place. I, so I loved chapter 12. This is the chapter I read the quote from, and I loved the vulnerability in it. And I loved your story. I, I loved all the research and all the quizzes and all of the helpful stuff, but I felt really connected to you in that last chapter and hearing your story and then of your ancestors. Um, I think that's our work, Dr. Linnea, in terms of just really allowing ourselves to realize we are enough as we are. Like we don't have to con continually prove ourselves. And I think this audience is going to resonate with that part of your story and um, will also appreciate it when they read the book, <laughs> how much you share there. Um, because I think it's our story. I think it's so many women's stories. And, you know, this is part of what you're talking about with nervous system dysregulation is avoiding, you know, the burnout and the constant anxiety and learning how to navigate that and come home to ourselves and come home within our bodies because we're constantly striving, um, but maybe not stopping like you took the time to do, which I think, you know, is an invitation to all of us. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the crucial things is also to time this right. So what I think was really important uh, and what I've learned is that in order for someone to go to these vulnerable places and to really, you know, touch into these really um, deep parts of ourselves that are, that, you know, we tend to protect so much. Mm -hmm. We need to do some work before we can go, uh, you know, in so much, so much in depth. And that's what happened to me. And that's also what I, uh, what I've worked to create for, for, and the reason why I created this five stages journey to, to nervous, to healing uh, nervous system dysregulation and this work, uh, repairing this part, mm. uh, these parts of ourselves are essentially working to, you know, repair these parts of yourself doesn't come in the beginning. It comes after you have built some sort of tools mm. to regulate yourself. Because mm. one of the problems is that when we go to these difficult parts of ourselves very quickly, it can, it can uh, backfire at us because yes. we don't have the tools yet to go to those depths and they can be so scary then you know it's like opening a door and getting really scared and then you know we want to shut that door and you don't want to go there anymore and so that's why um 
we we address this in the restoration phase and restoration phase is the, the third stage and it and it comes after you develop awareness which means being able to sit with things without taking you know without taking any action and just really being with them and observing them and that is one of the most difficult things for people because they need to overcome this need to fix uh, whatever is happening and then the second stage is all about regulation which is all about building that embodied safety and that's where you know the somatic practices and the the nervous system regulation practices uh, come in and once we have these two foundational steps in place, that's where we can go to, you know, those difficult places and we can address things, you know, like uh, whatever has happened in our life, like um, traumatic stressors or um, attachment wounds and all of the things that have really created these deep wounds. Yeah, no, this is so good. Um, so I was thinking two things. One is, let's maybe finish off the four and the five so they can at least just hear the overview of the five steps. And then to go back to what you said, I think there was an example you gave in the book with a woman who was a part of your program who prior had had some success with therapy, but not so much because they had gone to level three without creating the foundation of safety for her, right? Was that, it was a Barbara in the book that you talk about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um she she suffered from from you know she had like really important childhood trauma and she was she was she had developed a lot of chronic physical symptoms and she was really in a bad place but by the i think what really made a difference in her journey with us was that we really put her in a position where she could you know have these safety tools that she yes. could use and once that sense of safety was built, then she was able to uh, work with those uh, other treatments. And she was doing therapy and she was doing a lot of things, but it was hard for her to really get to those places. And so doing this kind of somatic work really allowed her and enabled her uh, in other areas, in other, th other things like talk therapy and other things that she was doing to really see the benefit. And so that's where she was able to really see uh, a lot of advance in her in her uh, work. Uh, but yeah, to answer your the you know the question about the five stages. So these three steps um, essentially are, uh, I would say, the bulk of the work to heal the dysregulation and then mm. enable the two following steps, which which are connection and expansion. So connection is where we are able to essentially connect with others uh, and connect to things that are outside of ourselves in a way that feels safe. And so that's where we connect with the world, not from a place of um, you know, scarcity, where we need someone else to fix us or to heal us. We connect with the world from a place of um, you know, safety, mm. and we connect with the world in a way where we can give back. So of course we connect with people throughout our lives and, and in any stage we connect with people. But um, in this connection phase, this is where we are able to um, you know, put, put boundaries in place. For example, we talk a lot about boundaries. Mm. Uh, we hear a lot of talking about boundaries, but yeah. the reality is that when people have these really scary parts of themselves, it's very hard to put boundaries in place. And so to me, boundaries have always, I've always been uh, a conqueror rather than um, 
a precondition to the work. Mm. So when you when you don't feel safe um, placing a boundary with someone who you know maybe uh, an enmeshed family or a system or s- some situation where you have people who overstep constantly those boundaries what you need to learn is how to follow through those boundaries and and you know what are the consequences if those boundaries are crossed and so when you are in a place of safety where you can feel safe in yourself and you feel regulated you're in a completely different place um where you're able to actually enforce those boundaries if they are crossed mm-hmm. and so the stage of connection is a stage where we are able to really work on these connection with the rest of the world and also connection with a purpose uh, larger than ourselves. We know from the science that this is one of the hallmarks of regulation of um, a life of meaning and also of health. Mm -hmm. People who are connected to things like spirituality or a big cause or whatever really matters to them in life, as long as it's something that they feel um, you know, connecting them to something larger than themselves has a wonderful impact on uh, their regulation, but their general health and their happiness ultimately. I don't like to use the word happiness too much, yes. but the point is about, you know, having a healthy life, having a fulfilled life. And that is one of the hallmarks, you know, having this connection. And And finally, the expansion phase is where we're able to, expand our capacity for both joy and pain. So we we have now conquered uh, our dysregulation. We are uh, moving out in the world. We're able to bring the fruits of this regulation to the rest of the world. But we can go even further because we have the ability to expand the capacity of our nervous system, which means using stressors um, in, in a smart way. So we know that stress gets a bad rap, but in reality, when you use stress uh, in a way that, uh, you know, essentially helps your nervous system be trained to, um, you know, to be able to, to contain more, you increase your resilience, you increase your ability and your capacity for both pain and joy. And, and one of the other uh, tools to achieve that uh, besides stress is awe. Oh, is this powerful emotion? There's a lot of research that's being done and that's going on for all oh, this powerful um, state that actually allows us to connect even more with this sense of, uh, you know, being marveled at what is around us, what is inside us, this connection to um, things larger than ourselves in a way that also expands our nervous system's capacity. I love it. And I'm thinking about, I had a couple of, uh, one was a neuroscientist. Uh, they wrote a book on neuroaesthetics, which you also talk about in the book. And one of the things that they were talking about also was the power of awe. But, you know, when you're talking about fulfillment, I mean, that's so aligned with really the heart of this podcast and being able to get to that place. But if women are going to the doctor or, you know, they're trying to seek out help, what, let's say it's a physical symptom, right? Like maybe they have, uh, digestive issues or stomach pain, like you did like an IBS that maybe had been triggered from um, nervous system dysregulation. Are they getting the help they need? Because I'm getting the sense that, you know, people don't, do, do people know enough about this? Do the doctors know enough about this? Or is everyone just putting a Band-Aid on and um, people aren't really getting the help that they need? 
so I don't want to put too much, um, you know, cracks on doctors because the reality is that we don't get this kind of training. This is all really new stuff mm. and we are still learning and understanding. But the reality, unfortunately, is that especially women um, and especially when they get, you know, after, um, uh, you know, after they have they had kids or even if they didn't have kids, they get to a place in life where their hormones start to go down. They get to a place where a lot of things start to come together mm -hmm. and they create um, a lot of symptoms of physical symptoms and emotional symptoms. And we don't really have the ability, especially as a medical system, we don't have the ability to unpack the different components of this discomfort of these symptoms. And so, you know, the easiest way is to just, you know, give, give, give a medicine or yeah. just, uh, you know, essentially um, treat what's downplay. coming in. You have anxiety, we'll give you any anxiety medicine. You're depressed. Yeah, or, or we'll downplay. You... Like, like another thing that really bothers me personally as a woman in, you know, going through that phase is that it's, it's like, well, this is the way it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. There are <laughs> ways to change that. And so I've been, you know, sitting in front of, you know, doctors and colleagues who uh, are often males, uh, but even women sometimes, and they just, um, you know, it's like, well, you have to live with that. But mm -hmm. the reality is that we, we are starting to know so much and learn so much that we need to become our own advocates about these things. We need to understand how nervous system regulation can make a difference, how having, you know, treatments in place for our hormonal situation. We have amazing treatments now that are, that are available, hormone replacement therapy, and so many other tools that we can use so that, you know, we can extend and we can increase our joy, our ability to experience things in a way that is fulfilling for us as uh, women, especially going through that uh, mid-age and all those, those problems that we are all familiar with. Yeah, I love this. And it's and it's fair what you're saying. And also, I've had so many doctors who are uh, advocates now, um, who are OBGYNs, urologists, who, you know, they admit they never had the training and they've done a deep dive into the research so that they can serve their clients in a better way. And they admit how, you know, they were taught to sort of dismiss it or downplay it or tell a woman that she's overreacting, <laughs> you know, that they didn't know how to take care of them, but that that's all changing. Um, there was an interesting part in the book where when you're talking about highly sensitive people or people being called too sensitive, I can completely relate with this terminology. Um, we've talked a little bit on the show about it, but how does it correlate to dysregulation or just our ability to regulate. Um, if you could elaborate on that, that would be fantastic. Because I think um, I, I know from having done one episode on it, that it really resonated with a lot of the women in my audience. And so I think they'd love to get your perspective. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the most common questions I get, because a lot of people, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, we have a large Instagram community. And so we have this, this post. And so some people will comment, uh, you know, but yeah, but high sensitivity is just, you know, trauma or dysregulation or things like that. And it's actually not. And so there is a lot of research 
um, and, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, we know that sensitivity is actually, um, you know, something that we are learning to understand what it actually means from a physical, emo uh, emotional perspective. Uh, it is considered a personality trait, but this personality trait has actually, you know, um, genes and and physical uh, correspondence in the body. So we know that no matter, um, you know, no matter uh, how sensitive you are, you fall somewhere on that sensitivity spectrum. And that is really what, um, you know, what creates your ability to perceive the external world. And so, um, referring back to, uh, you know, what we were talking about, uh, women in middle age, hormonal changes can change and can have a big impact on how people, uh, perceive things outside themselves. So mm. there are a lot of different things, uh, in life that can change or, uh, you know, increase our sensitivity. Uh, but that doesn't mean we are necessarily dysregulated. Dysregulated, dysregulation comes from specific um, you know, stressful situations and from specific, uh, you know, fear and stress, et cetera, et cetera, can, th these can all, um, cause our, our body and nervous system to, uh, go into a sense of overwhelm that eventually becomes dysregulation. But dysregulation is very, very different from sensitivity. So dysregulation can affect anyone regardless of their sensitivity level, but it's actually more common among those who are more sensitive. And that is one of the, you know, the cruel things about sensitivity, which is we, we end up like people with high sensitivity, they are very gifted in many ways. And so they can, they become people who, you know, maybe they're artists, they're creators, they are leaders. They, they sort of lead the world in many ways, but they're also uh, cruelly the ones that are more prone to developing dysregulation. And so things like uh, burnout, anxiety, um, chronic physical symptoms, chronic pain, all of these things end up becoming more common in people who are more sensitive, not because of their sensitivity per se, but because their dysregulation has caused them to uh, experience those symptoms. But at the same time, because they are so sensitive, because they are so perceptive, we also know, and the research is also um, supporting that, that they are uh, more likely to positively respond to interventions. So for example, when people who have, um, who score high in sensitivity, um, go through our program or go through an intervention where they are really working on, um, developing regulation, they respond more and better than people who are lower on the sensitivity spectrum. Yeah. And that is a huge thing for me to, to know as someone who uh, works with people with dysregulation, because people can become very, um, you know, very mm, depressed and very sad about thinking that their sensitivity is some sort of flaw. Hmm. Whereas actually it's just a trait. There's no, there's not necessarily a positive or negative correlation to right. that. It's, it's an advantage in certain situations and it becomes a disadvantage in other situations, just like all traits and conditions. Right. But it's true that they are more prone to developing these things, but it's also true that when they learn about, um, you know, their nervous system, their sensitivity, their dysregulation, et cetera, et cetera, they are able, they have agency to change the situation and they are more effective once they implement the right practices in reversing these conditions.
Um, this is so helpful. And just to just to have like the the a better, clearer picture of, you know, of all of it. But I'm wondering, I love to give tangible things that women can do. Obviously, they can pick up the book and go through, you know, the five steps and everything. I know you also talk about the four pillars of the nervous system. I'm just wondering, you know, what can we offer? Anything you can share? Um, favorite things that you do to help? your nervous system so, yeah yeah so so um we we didn't address this uh, in depth um previously but i do want to talk about um uh, the layer that i call structure this layer is essentially the foundation upon which we build those five stages okay uh, that we before so this structure is essentially how you you know it's daily habits daily things that you can do um and especially it has to do with um how much time you spend outdoors spending time outdoors um exposing your eyes and your body to the outdoor light is a crucial um component of you know helping your nervous system regulate so you know i make it a point personally every morning when I wake up to go outside and to allow enough sunshine to get into my eyes and mm. to spend enough time. And I try to take a walk, you know, so combining movement, um, which can be, it depends of course, on the condition of the person. A lot of the people we work with have chronic conditions, so they, they can't necessarily um, do a lot of, uh, you know, vigorous movement, yes. but they can get there with time. They get there. So um, movement, which can be as little as, you know, taking walks, like vigorous walks, uh, but also having like a, an actual plan in place for um, for exercise. All of these things, like this is probably the single most important intervention that we can um, implement in our life on a daily basis uh, to impact how our mood and how our nervous system uh, work. And then, of course, there's nutrition. One of the things that I try to uh, do personally, because I know it makes a big difference in my life, is focusing on having um, enough fermented foods uh, mm. on a daily basis, because our uh, gut is, is highly connected to our nervous system. And so mm. when we create um, uh, an environment in our in our gut that is very diverse, with a lot of um, good microbes, this really helps our body and nervous system regulate better. And so, for example, I personally make it a point to have at least two or three servings each day of fermented food, uh, low sugar fermented food. So it can be yogurt, it can be fermented vegetables, you know, um, this is really something that makes a big difference for me and for many other people uh, mm. is the same. And also, of course, we hear a lot about, um, you know, keeping our uh, glucose steady. That's also a really important point. Uh, when we have these big spikes, uh, when we hit, eat a lot of sugar, you know, it can uh, be a problem for the nervous system. It can create uh, boats of anxiety. It, it, it's harder for the body to manage uh, regulation. And so all of these interventions uh, that we can do in, in our daily life, and again, one of the crucial points that we always highlight is that it's important to do small things, small things on a consistent basis every day. So doing like just one of the things I, um, I mentioned, um, but on a consistent basis is going to be, it's going to have a compounding effect 
on uh, the nervous system and on the body. So this structure, these, these interventions are really a supportive element of everything else that we do. I love it because that's also very doable. What you said is very doable. And correct me if I got this wrong, but I, the takeaway I just heard or it also read in the book was, you know, the foundation of starting with your body. Is that right? Because you yeah, talked about absolutely. movement, light, what you're feeding it, nourishing it, our True. microbiome, which is so important, um, and how that impacts our our physiology and our 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 brain health, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely crucial. Uh, you know, we we tend to think that our mind and our body are two separate things, but yeah. they, there's, there is no distinction. They work together. They and they are constantly um, connected. They are one thing. So. Whatever we do with the body is yes. going to have an impact on the mind and vice versa. Yeah. I saw one of your Instagram posts where you were lifting some weights and spinning in a chair. Tell us a little bit about, you know, just strengthening our body as well. So one of the things that I really like um, about, um, especially to talk about when people ha uh, have are, are highly sensitive or have a high degree of sensitivity or have sensory overload, etc., is working with um, deep, like thinking about exercise through the lens of, um, uh, you know, sensory stimulation. And so thinking about, for example, um, you know, exercises that really, um, create a lot of input for certain parts of the body. So for example, deep proprioceptive input, which is something that we can um, do even just by doing our house, uh, housekeeping, you know, yes. doing really like strong um, muscle work, yes. uh, uh, lifting weights, etc. All these things create this deep proprioceptive input. And this really, it's like telling the nervous system, you're safe. You are, things are under control. This, this muscle stimulation sends a message to the nervous system that it's safe. And this has a huge effect on things like anxiety, um, you know, and, and all those symptoms that we, that we uh, tend to experience. So doing these simple things, like the ones you saw on my Instagram feed, can have a really big impact if it's done, you know, every day with, um, with, um, with, you know, just keep doing it, keep doing a little bit every day. I love it. And again, all very doable. And some of the things I saw, like carrying, a, you know, your laundry up and down the stairs, I was like, oh, that's yes. great. You know, so maybe we're doing some of it without even realizing it's sort of built in. If somebody has really chronic or like, you know, overwhelming anxiety, or they're living in the what ifs, or, you know, their body's freezing. Um, where do where do they start if they're on that end of things where they're just feeling overwhelmed? So look, I, um, we talked about the limits of, of, um, you know, the medical system, but I, I also am a strong supporter of, uh, you know, using medication when needed and mm -hmm. and speaking with doctors uh, when needed so when there's an extreme situation where people are exper experiencing you know really negative thoughts or self-harming thoughts it's really crucial to seek help and to get immediate help and and possibly even to uh, get medication to start but okay. when things are not that extreme when yeah. they can't really uh, they feel more you know uh, in control of the situation 
then starting to learn about nervous system dysregulation is the first step, like building yeah. this awareness. And that's why we have created this assessment, which, you know, in, in just one month, we've had like thousands of people, almost 10,000 people have taken it because there's this need for people to understand what are the components, what does it actually mean? What does it mean for me, for my specific situation? Uh, how is this regulation showing in my body, in my emotions, in the way I go about in life? And so that's why we created this assessment and we've made it public on our website. So people can start by understanding, uh, you know, the, how this regulation is showing in their lives. Yes. And another thing is understanding their sensitivity so when people are uh, you know on the higher end of the of the spectrum of sensitivity they um really benefit from understanding and like opening their eyes uh, that all of those things that they experience are probably related to their sensitivity and so mm. learning that and then starting to take small actions like the ones i described is really going to make a difference i thought it was really encouraging when you said that you can you can heal, you, you can heal it, you can get regulated, you can regulate your nervous system again, even if you've had the traumas or all these situations that have overwhelmed you because you didn't have the awareness, you didn't have the tools that, that it's accessible. Um, is there anything I didn't ask that you really think is important to leave the women listening with today? No, I think, uh, um, as you just pointed out, my my main message in this is that you know if, if if there was one takeaway i think it's really important to have both perspectives which is one is whatever you are experiencing is not just in your mind it's not just something that you know doesn't exist and it doesn't need, it doesn't even necessarily need a diagnosis to be worthy and to be important if it's pain to you and if it's creating problems in your life it matters. It is something that's real to you. And it's something that is real in your body and in your nervous system. Yes. And so there's real damage and real pain that is created because of that. And at the same time, on the other hand, you have agency, you have the capacity to address whatever is causing these problems and to change. You're not defined by your symptoms. You're not defined by your past, whatever happened to you. You are not defined by, you know, whether you are sensitive or not. You are, you have agency to shape how your body and nervous system work. And you have agency to shape your stress response and to expand your capacity so that you can, you know, start to experience again, joy and fulfillment and feeling completely able to live life. Absolutely. And everyone deserves that and they deserve access to that. Um, I like to ask for fun since the show is called The Good Life. What does living a good life mean to you, Dr. Linnea? <laughs> uh, I guess the most important thing to me is just spending time with my with my kids and my family and, uh, uh, you know, being able to possibly uh, contribute to creating a world in the future that is um, more regulated for them and more uh, in peace and more um, livable. I love it. And um, you mentioned you have that course and, and people can find you online. So let's direct them to that. Where What's your website so I can link that for them in the show notes? So they can find everything at healernervousystem.com. And we also have our Instagram community and our email list. So if they want to take the, you know, the assessment that I just mentioned, that's the best way. They can find me everywhere uh, as Healer Nervous System. 
That's I love that. I love that. It's it's like with the book and the program and everything, it makes it really easy. And all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com. And I'll have all of those resources linked up, or you can just head directly over to healyournervousystem.com um, or connect with Dr. Linnea um, through. Yeah, I think that assessment I'd be very curious to take. And um, thank you for the work that you're doing. I just I think we're going to be hearing more about this and I think you're going to be leading the way with it. I, it's just so important. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very much for for this and for having me. That's my pleasure. Such an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. This podcast is presented for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any information provided is not intended to be a substitute for medical, mental health, or other professional advice. Seek out your trusted healthcare provider or other qualified professional for all matters dealing with your health and well-being. Any opinions or information provided by a guest are their own and not those of Michelle Lamoureux or the company.